0: Welcome to the Fight with Depression podcast, podcast for people who want to improve their mental health. My name is Christopher Boussard, and this is part two of my conversation with Emily Johnson, therapist and host of Tactical Toughness podcast. And if you did not listen to part one, Go ahead and uh, go back and listen to that. There was some good information. And um, yeah, today's episode, Emily and I are speaking more about uh, relationship aspect of therapy, which is her specialty is uh, as a relationship therapist, marriage therapist. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between Emily and me, and thank you for listening. So now we continue the conversation from part one. Like I said, I was going I wanted to talk to you about the um, the clinical, I guess, yeah, aspect for sure. Um, and one of the questions I think maybe we'll just start with this that um, somebody actually asked. Uh, they somebody submitted, um, which if you have any questions, please you know get a hold of us through the website um, or the podcast or whatever. Anyway. Um, if you have somebody, a loved one or a family member, um, somebody who you know that that could use that could use help mm-hmm. or needs help or something, and they just don't want to get help, what what do you do in that situation?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and and first off, I want to acknowledge your listener that uh, gave you this question, and just uh, first off, say like I. I can't even imagine how hard it must be to go through that, um, to have somebody you love that you want to get help and, like, you yourself feel really helpless. Um, that's extremely difficult and uh, can feel really lonely. So I just want to say that. Um, and and then to follow that with a response, uh, the really, really challenging, sucky thing is, is that really, honestly, there's not a lot you can do. Yeah, and And that's... That's so hard. I've, I've walked through that with people. I have people in my own life that I love dearly that I would love to be like, Hey, maybe you should do something about that. Uh, But the reality is, is that people will only change if they want to. And like, we can't, we can't force people into help. We can't force them into treatment. We can't force them to counseling. Uh, They, we can't force them to, to think that they need help because maybe they actually don't think they do, or maybe they're okay with living in misery Um, Some people really like to be miserable and they just choose it and they don't really care if it affects other people around them. And uh, and that's that's really that's really hard. Um, And the reality is, too, is that uh, not everybody's ready for change. Right. Like you do have to be ready for it. But I even find even when people come to my office and they're doing so willingly and voluntarily, like they're choosing to be there. I actually find that a lot of people are still not ready for therapy even because therapy requires a lot of work and uh, it takes, it takes time and effort. And, and I find that even a lot of my clients, if they come to me and they're like, yeah, I didn't really do anything that you suggested. I'll be like, then why are you here? <laughs> like, you know, I, I can't fix it for you. You have to fix it for yourself. So, um, so I, I say this with just like all the empathy in the world of like, it's, it's unimaginably hard to have somebody in your life that you see want to get help. And like, really there's, there's not much you can do. I do have a thought. I do have another thought. Can I, can I go with it? Sure. Okay. Yes. I will, I will say as the supporting uh, person uh, of whoever, like you, you want your life to get help, but like do whatever you need to for yourself. I will say that, Um, that if the person that you, that you are caring for like needs help, but they're not getting it, that puts you in a super stressful state. So um, I will say, like, build up your own support network. Go get help for yourself. Go find a therapist. Go find a group. Do whatever you need to do for yourself. To get to take care of yourself and your own stressors instead of pushing it because I, I have people in my life that I know if you keep pushing, they will flee in the opposite direction. And so <laughs> Chris just pointed at himself. So <laughs> so that can be really hard uh, because like then it then you create an even bigger chasm towards them getting help. And so I say, like do what you can for yourself and not push the issue. Um, do what you can. and maybe just maybe. By leading by example, your, your person might just see like, oh, they've stopped bugging me about it. And in, in turn, they've actually gone and done something to take care of themselves. And, uh, and, and just maybe they'll, they'll come around to seeing the benefit of of that, of whatever it looks like for that person. So, um, so I will say that, but definitely not forcing it. Um, you know, you have to know a person well enough to know that as well. Like, like I said, I have some people in my life where I know that I I can't, I can so I'll just call it out my brother and love him, love him to pieces. Uh, We keep trying to, we would love him to move to Colorado. I can't tell him that because like he gets really stubborn about it. Right. And so we just have friends tell him instead. It works much better. Clearly (laughs) (laughs) he still doesn't live here. (laughs) That's like a casual example, but I say that like, it's important. I have to know that about the relationship with my brother. And so like, I, I can't push that issue with him because I don't want to then, uh, unintentionally then create more distance between like that, that reality coming, to, coming to be.
0: Yeah. No, I like that. Um, yeah. Cause my, I, I, I didn't want to give you my, um, response to mm-hmm. him. I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want that to kind of sway sure. your answer or anything. Um, but I was, you know, I basically said very similar, like, you know, you, you can't, you can't push the person. Mm-hmm. um, but I said, just you know, the the fact that the, that this person would even reach out and say, you know, do you have any advice, just yeah. shows that they actually care about the person. Absolutely. Um, and I said, you know, that's that's really, it, maybe as much as you can do is just show that person that, like, you know, hey, I'm I'm here mm-hmm. and I care. Yeah. But you know, yeah, like you said, and and you know, Molly and I experienced this where. You know, I I went for for years um, where you know somebody's saying, I, "Yeah, you need to go get help," and I'm like, hmm. "Nope, not yeah. going to happen." Um, I don't need help. I don't. Well, in I'm fine. My yes. Well, in, I have
1: an um, acronym for fine, but I don't think it's appropriate for your podcast. Always <laughs> say, uh,
0: yeah, I say freaked out. Yeah, okay, that's the, better. Yes, the first <laughs> that's uh, not what I say. Yes. But um for cuz my thing was is I am the way that I am. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I did seek out some treatment and this and that, but my my response was like I I am the way that I am and you you know, by somebody to coming to me and saying you need to get to get help is basically it was to me saying um I don't like the way you are and you need, you to, need to change the way you are. Mm. Um, where in that's not, that's not reality. Sure. But and, it
1: totally makes sense why you would receive it that way.
0: Yeah. And because it was, it was my reality at the time mm-hmm. and you know, looking at, let's say looking at our kids and saying, well, if, if something were bothering them, you mm-hmm. know, let's say that, you know, my kids walking with a limp yeah. or something. Um, I would want them to get help. Right. You know? So why wouldn't but you do that for why your would brain? You, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It it's all not the time. changing. It's not changing who they are mm-hmm. or anything. Um, but it's, you know, I want you to be, I want you to be a good, the best version of you that yeah. you can be. Absolutely. So...
1: Yeah, I, I say that to my clients in a different, in a slightly different way. Like they'll, because uh, there obviously there's a stigma around mental health for a really long time that if you go to therapy, it means you're crazy, right? Yeah. That's just how people felt. And like, like I get it because I mean, I won't go into like the whole history of psychology, but it, it makes sense to me because like, I'll, um, just like briefly, I'll say that a large amount of, uh, how, our field came to be was through studying schizophrenia. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a diagnosis that is like really challenging and very impactful on a person. So it makes sense why like that could carry through generations because the field of psychology is, t- is not that old, right. Yeah. That, uh, that we would attribute like going to get help means I'm crazy. It means there's something so severely and drastically wrong with me. Uh, but now like when I tell my clients like, Hey, you're here. And that takes a lot of courage. Like yeah. just acknowledging that you need another person to enter into your life, to offer you support and guidance through whatever season that you're in, like that takes an immense amount of courage. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It means that you know your limitations yeah. and that like you can't, you don't have all the answers. And I know for some people that can be really frustrating for some of my responders that can be really frustrating. I've definitely had responders sit in my office. They're like, well, I should know how to fix it. I'm yeah. like, yeah, but like, don't should all over yourself. Yeah. Right. Like, sure. I don't have all the answers either. So why would you? Yeah. Right. And maybe you're, cha- you're coming across a new challenge that you don't really know how to deal with. So like, why not go seek out support from somebody who could guide you through it in yeah. a non-shameful, non-judgmental way?
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's a lot of it's, um, you know, mm-hmm. we talk about stigma, stigma mm-hmm. and there, y- you read a, uh, books, that are not too old. You Mm -hmm. know, you say the psychology has not been, that field's not been around for for very long, but you read books and they talk about somebody who suffers from depression and they Mm -hmm. refer to them as crazy. Yeah. And I think that's still in a lot of our, our brains and as like, you're crazy. if If you have any sort of, um, neurotic, um, behavior, neurotic Mm -hmm. tendencies, um, well, that, then
1: we're all crazy.
0: Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it's, you know, whether you're, I, I guess now it, the the crazy thing is more transitioning into somebody with a psychotic type right. of behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, you know, even the neurotic behaviors were, I think it's, it's amazing how many people have some neurotic tendencies. Oh, you know, for sure. Whether... I don't well I'm not gonna g- even get started
1: <laughs> I mean we we all like I like to say that like, we all experience some symptoms of depression and or anxiety it doesn't mean that it's like full-on diagnosable yeah but all of us experience symptoms of it at some point or another and those yeah. are just two things it could be it's a whole uh, could be a whole lot of other other yeah options you know
0: yeah and you know I I refer to them and I don't know if that's a uh, Uh, clinical way, but it's, um, situational. Yeah. You know, I say it's, you have a situational depression, situational anxiety. Absolutely. I use that language as well. Um, cool.
1: Yeah. Because I I mean, for some, for some folks that you could have chronic depression, right. And maybe that's maybe that comes through like genetics, right? Maybe your family has, has experienced depression. And so then you're kind of predisposed to, to already to like then experiencing it yourself. And, and I've certainly had clients that have, have experienced, um, some waves of depression for their whole life. Right. Uh, and those like that, I find that folks that, that's the, their story, like going on a medication is probably wise. I'm not, I'm not usually a, a huge proponent of medication. I have some, you know, I think there are things that we can do differently and better. Um, but in some cases like that, there really could be a chemical deficiency that's happening. Uh, but for others, it could be situational where it's like you have a certain circumstance in your life like grief or loss or transition or whatever it might be that it's now like thrust you into like a a, an episode of depression but it doesn't necessarily it's going to be with you for forever it could be a season well
0: and i i personally think that it could be both too because me personally i'm on the um chemical that's my world i've dealt with my entire life yeah and you know for me it was me, let's try this medication let's mm-hmm. try this one let's try that one um but even in that realm as um, lifelong you can definitely have situational depression yeah. or anxiety um bouts where sure. you know something happens in in life and that makes it difficult um
1: yeah like you you might be more prone to it it becoming more intense yeah you yes. know because you've yes. been dealing with it your whole life and then you have a difficult situation and then your your you know your brain knows what's up so it'll be like oh hey depression <laughs> I'm familiar with you yes yes <laughs>
0: yeah hello darkness hello darkness my old friend yes, yes.
1: exactly exactly <laughs>
0: yeah. um so yeah. a little um change of topic um getting back into, so Molly and I are going to be doing through our church. We're going to be doing a, uh, couples, um, not, it's not couples counseling. It's just a like workshop. a workshop, a marriage course. Thank nice. you. Man. That's um, exciting. Yeah. So on that, like on that note, because yeah. we wanted to, I, I wanted to talk to you about it. Um, you're talking about, uh, couples coming in and, mm-hmm. and meeting with you. Yep. um, do you have and i don't know if you could speak to it too much but is there we were getting on family members but mm-hmm. i kind of want to talk about mar- like married couples yeah. and stuff Yeah. um is there any advice you could give for like a married couple where uh maybe you've got one first responder mm-hmm. who's just maybe they're they're changing drastically or over time mm-hmm. um what would you give any advice to the, to the spouse or significant Hmm. other, you know, either to like, do you say, Hey, here's the hard facts you Mm -hmm. need to get help, or do you just support them and just watch them, you Hmm. know, degrade?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great question. Yeah. I, uh, I think our spouses of responders are often so neglected too. um, because we, we also, uh, speaking as a spouse, raise my hand. Uh, we choose this life as well. And, and, uh, Molly raised her hand too. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, that, that means that we are also putting our lives at risk for our community because we are risking the life of our significant other. Um, and so, uh, we, we have a challenging role and I, I don't think everybody is fit for it. And I think that that's one of the hard realities I've definitely met, um, you know, more. I see this more in dating uh, couples where I'm like, "Oh, you are not cut out for this world." <laughs> <laughs> and uh like it takes a special person um oh I was gonna say something about like the dark humor my dark humor has gotten worse since working with first responders so mm-hmm. I will say in some cases I think that's like it comes with being exposed to the population by swearing and my dark humor <laughs> so bad um <laughs> but all to say that like uh, I've I've learned I've adapted over time um I certainly had no clue what I was getting into I do not come from a family of first responders. My family is like engineers and teachers and like stay-at-home moms. Like that's my background. And, um, and then, I, then I met my husband and he knew, he saw it in me. So I will say that like he knew what he was looking for and saw something in me that I didn't really know about myself of like my level of grit and ability to handle what he was going into. Um, I see it now. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, and my exposure, and I will say this to all the spouses, please hear me. My exposure to the first responder world is a unique one because I'm in it all the time. Like I'm in our fire departments, I'm in our police agencies, I'm I like our, I train our dispatchers, I hang out with EMS. So I'm I'm I have a weird um heightened exposure and knowledge of what it's like to be a supporting partner. And because I work with spouses a lot too. So I I've gained a lot of information over time that was not just magically there because I married my husband. So, um, but, but it it is definitely challenging to be the spouse of a responder, um, because of what we are, we are risking as well. And we're choosing to be alone a lot too. So I think like that it requires, a healthy level of independence. Um and I say healthy level because I've I've definitely seen the responder world create like uh, too much of a sense of independence and then they they can like split because one like the partner at home is like, well you're never around. Right. Like I see this with wildland, for mm-hmm. example, because they're like, well you're gone six months out of the year, so I just have to live my life. And then they come home and that pattern kind of continues. Um but all to say that uh yeah. So it's, it's tough, like us choosing, choosing this as well. So a healthy level of independence is good because you have to survive. You have to know how to do things alone. Um, but of course I call it hashtag curse of the fire wife life, uh, fill in the blank with whatever, you know, whoever you work for, but, uh, things always happen when our partners are gone. It's just a thing. I don't, I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why it's, but it, it does. So we have to learn how to handle stuff. Right. Um, so that can be really challenging, but again, then like having our, our significant others who are the responder go through what they're going through and then navigating that as well. Um, but to answer your question or one of them, uh, like the hard facts, right? Like I do think that there's wisdom in educating our significant others to be like, Hey, this is what your partner is going through when they're at work. And, and I have shared that with partners in my office and they literally are like, wait, I'm not the only one. And they kind of said it from like a disappointing way of like, oh, my spouse isn't the only person who's kind of a jerk when they get off shift. And I'm like, nope, sorry. Hate to break it to you. (laughs) He's, he's not that special. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but, uh, but educating them from that standpoint of like, this is what their their jobs are like. Uh, this is what they're exposed to. Also, it's a paramilitary environment, which creates its own kind of stress because they are constantly cleaning and doing dishes and keeping things organized and then running calls and having to write reports. And then they come home to like a messy house and then it disorients them. And maybe they come off like a jerk to you because they just came from this super structured environment to an environment that doesn't feel as structured. And that can create a lot of stress. Yeah. You have that. Yeah. well, I was gonna
0: say, and kids, you know kids playing or arguing or mm. you know, whatever it is too. because um, we would when I would come home, you know, I would sometimes I would beat the kids, you know, before they left for I, Oh my gosh. I just realized how that sounded. I would beat the kids <laughs> I know, I was like, did I, would, I just I would, hear you right? I would not you beat right? the, I am a data reporter. The kids. I, would, I, would, yeah. <laughs> I would beat the kids, I would, I would get home before the kids left for school.
1: Oh, beat them. I get it now. <laughs> beat them uh, to it. I would beat, not them, beat to them to <laughs> le-
0: them leaving. Um, I love that
1: you don't edit this. I'm oh, so excited to goodness. listen to it later. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I don't edit my episodes either. Okay. So, <laughs>
0: um, because it does, so it good. It- it took me, you know, 45 minutes to get home plus, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the kids would be, um, here. And then on when I would get home on weekends or during the summer and everything, and you get home and everybody wants to tell you everything that happened over the 48 hours that you were gone. Yeah. And it's, um, (laughs) uh, overwhelming when you get home. Like you said, it's, I have a word for it. I call
1: it the buffer wheel. So I see this in my husband. I talk about this in the, in my exit and reentry episode too, but um, my husband, like I'd be so excited when he'd come home when he was on the 48th and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to see you. And he's equally happy to see me too. Granted our situation, we don't, we don't have kids yet. So like, it's just me, right, it's me and the cats hanging out. And speaking of cats, really disappointed that there is not one over here right now. I just know. throwing that out there. Um, but <laughs> But it's just me. And so when he'd come home, I'd be super excited to like, for one, like hear about his shift. It's not just about like what happened with me, but to hear about his shift. And I'd look at him. And I just feel like his eyes were glazing over a little bit. And I'd be like, you're not absorbing any of this right now, are you? And he's like, no. And that's why I call it the buffer wheel, because I can just, like, see his brain spinning a little bit. Like, he's just trying to engage, but he's not doing it at the level in which, like, he would like to. And so I usually would, I just would get to a point where I'm like, I'll come back to you later. <laughs> so, when you can hear yeah. me, you know? Yeah.
0: So maybe having some sort of, of cue that you could give. So Molly and I, mm-hmm. when we did we did the marriage course with our church before, um, and they gave us some cool, some cool language. And um, I realized I was a hedgehog, and Molly's a rhino. Mm-hmm. And this is our way of dealing with you know yes. uh, stress. So
1: you like retreat. Yes. You deal. Molly yes. deals with Molly's it. Molly's
0: aggressive and wants to. And we actually Tackle. yes yes and, yeah and coming out of that, we actually would, it, without being disrespectful or anything, it was, I would tell Molly, I said, you're being a rhino right now. Mm-hmm. And she, oh, okay. Yeah. And she'd say, hey, you're kind of being a hedgehog. Mm-hmm. And I, okay. And I would open up. Maybe that's something that- They're like uh, soft words. Yeah, Yeah. Maybe that's something that, you know, like somebody comes home and they're like, get inundated mm-hmm. with a bunch of stuff. They could just say, buffer wheel. Yeah. And then, yeah. No. <laughs> like, so is okay. this,
1: is this course that you're doing? Is it like for responders or is it for just anybody? It's for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm excited that you guys are doing this. We could probably have a whole other conversation about it. Okay. I can give you guys some tips <laughs> 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 from the, from the marriage counselor. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, man, there's so much I could say. Yeah. yeah of like advice-wise, um, I mean, guys, relationships are hard. Like, I, um, well, they don't have to be. I think this is something I find myself saying a lot. Like, <laughs> like marriage doesn't have to be hard, but it does require effort. And the more effort you put into your relationship, the less hard it will be. Life is hard. Your mm-hmm. marriage doesn't have to be. This is something that I I speak very proudly of about my relationship with my husband. We've been married for 10 and a half years. I find our relationship very easy uh, because we put in a lot of effort and communication is really important to us. We have zero unresolved conflicts because we deal with our conflict. We deal with our stuff as it happens. We are like a united front with anything that comes our way. And, and we might ebb and flow in regards to like, um, which one of us is the cheerleader and which one of us is maybe struggling. And, and frankly, right now in life, he and I are both like, we're both kind of struggling, but like, but we're in it together, you know? And, and so I, I will often pull in aspects of my relationship because I believe in it and I can speak to the things that we've done to make it work. And I'm like, listen, I didn't have to go to school to be a therapist to like, tell you <laughs> why my marriage works, right? Like we put in effort and it, I I will tell my couples a lot, like, um, your relationship is the thing that's between the two of you. You both have to contribute to it. It, it needs your attention. It needs you to nurture it. So what can you do to ensure that your relationship is getting what it needs? And that means that you have to think of yourselves as like, you're not thinking of yourselves as individuals. You're thinking about your like, what are you both bringing to the table here? And this is what can be really hard when it comes to people coming to my office, right? Because they want to point fingers, right? Yeah. And I am like so convinced the longer I do this that a large reason why marriages fail is because people get selfish. Yeah. And selfishness can't survive in marriage. Yeah. And so uh, the, when you start getting selfish, you start digging your heels in and you get stubborn and you're like, you make the first move. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how about you make the first move? Yeah. right like you have to decide for yourself that you want to do something different for the sake of your relationship whether or not your partner decides to do the same yeah because if you're waiting guess what they're waiting too, yeah. and then nothing will change but if you make a decision out of humility and out of the sake of your relationship to do something different like things will move yeah. things will progress right and that's why like that's why i say like my husband and i i i'm really proud of this <laughs> like just the the work that we've done to to um to ensure that our relationship is thriving like i've had people say things to me like man if i were in your situation i'd be like really frustrated or i'd like i don't know i would like let your my spouse know how i feel about it and i'd be like what does that serve my relationship it doesn't instead i can choose support i can choose encouragement I can choose love and it doesn't mean that what we're going through isn't hard, but I'm not going to blame my spouse for external circumstances. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get mad at him for something that's out of his control. I can be, I can be mad at the situation, but I'm not going to be mad at him for it. And so out of humility, I choose to love him and support him. And boy, it makes a huge difference. Like I like, that's why I'm like, our relationship is not hard because we make those intentional, active choices out of selflessness because our relationship deserves it. Yeah. We chose to do this life with each other for forever. So why would we not put in the effort?
0: Yeah. Uh, Molly's applauding over here. <laughs> Thank you. No, I, I, I like it. And I, one thing that Molly would always tell me is she's like, and for me, when I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it. And I, I should say, didn't, when I didn't mm-hmm. want to hear it, I didn't want to hear it. And she would always say, I'm, I'm on your side. Yeah. I'm on your side. And there were, there were times where I was like, I don't, I don't want to hear that right now, hmm. And but it was, I think it's a pride, um, yeah. where you know that, and you, you know, deep down, like, okay, yeah, but I think sometimes you're like, I don't, I don't want a teammate. I just, hmm. uh, you know, like, Can I, I not just choose to be miserable. please? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or something. And uh, so, um, I remember that, so the first, um, the peer support class that I went through, getting the initial training and mm-hmm. and um uh credit whatever not a certification but yeah yeah. yeah yeah um i remember that, you know this is a little adult here but she said it's we were talking about um you know marriage and everything and she's like why would you take some of this stuff out on the person that lets you see them naked. Right. And i uh, like, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Like you, that person lets you see them naked. Like they're most vulnerable. It, yes. At the most. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, you turn around and treat them like crap and mm. you know, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean,
1: but we do that as humans. Like I, I, I normalize this with my clients a lot. Like, of course you take it out on the person that you're closest to. Because ideally, they're your safe person, they're your safety net, right? Like uh, you have frustrations happening at work or in uh, in external relationships, and you bring that home and you take it out on your partner. I'm like, of course you do, but I say, doesn't mean that you should. But we we all do it as humans. That's we're prone to that, and yet, like that doesn't mean it's okay. Like because the longer you do that. Because in our brains, we're like, whether we're aware of it or not, we're like, well, they still love me at the end of the day. And I'm like, yeah, but you can't like count on that for forever if like all your, if like your partner is like your verbal punching bag for whatever else is happening in your life. Right.
0: Yeah. Like I know that's a strong word, but. Well, no, I think that's true because you, I think, you know, when you're at work, you can't lash out at your chief, you can't lash out at your lieutenant, Mm -hmm. and that stuff builds up. And then what happens? You come home and who's that person who, I can lash out to because they don't have that um, "quote unquote" level of authority mm-hmm. over me. They, right. They, they're, that person doesn't have, dictate whether or not I have a job. Or, right. I mean, I guess they do in a roundabout so, way. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. sure yeah. Um, but you know, that person is going to be there, yeah. and you expect them to be there. So that's who I'm going to lash out to mm-hmm. when I get home because I can't. I can't do that with my coworkers.
1: Yeah. I, there was a season where my husband was in a pretty heightened state of stress with, and so there were some things going on in his department and he'd come home and he would just complain about it. And I was like, we've worked way too hard for you to complain about it. And I'm like, do you like anything about your job? Because I'm not hearing any of that, right? And I'd like to know that you like your job, the thing that you do that takes you away from me two days a week for a third of your life. Like, I'd like to know that there's something about it that's good because yeah. I'm not hearing any of that and it's it's really hard to get into this field and i'm like frankly i think the the more that you have to like you, if you're complaining a lot probably means you have it pretty good so why don't we focus on the things that we're grateful for instead yeah. of complaining right cuz also chemically that does things to your brain so
0: yeah yeah um and i that brought up something i remember there was a um a documentary on uh fire department that is very not well off mm-hmm. their budget is ridiculous they've got old broken down mm-hmm. engines they mm-hmm. respond to multiple multiple fires every shift mm-hmm. and they were talking one... to
1: all the firefighters know exactly what you're talking about right now yes
0: yes <laughs> i think they do um, even i do yeah so uh, the one of the guys said if you're if your biggest concern is whether or not your cell phone battery is going to last throughout your entire shift your department does not have problems. Yeah. So that sounds nice. And as much as we, you know, we want to think, Oh yeah, I've got it so bad. I think, you know, like you said, if you start looking at the, okay, Mm -hmm. what is something good about your job that changes that chemical reaction in your brain? And I, you know, I try to tell, say, you know, just be, you know, my, uh, um, stress management, stress management, um, episode it's like what are things that you're thankful for Mm -hmm. what's something that you're grateful for and and everything absolutely
1: i I will Um, say too though that like fire service emergency response aside just talking about jobs and the stressors of jobs and bringing that to your spouse i'll encourage my couples like at the end of the day set a timer for like 10 minutes, each of you or 20 minutes or whatever time feels okay for your relationship. And like, you just spend that time uninterrupted just doing, just doing all of the verbal processing that you need to do about your job. Yeah. And then when it's done, it's done and you don't talk about it anymore. Cause then there's still like room for saying like, Hey, you've had a stressful day and I want to hear about it and you're home now. And I don't want that to like <laughs> completely take over yeah. like what time we do have together.
0: Yeah. I don't want that to, to run our, Yeah, our personal lives. Yeah. Yeah. Or impede on like quality time. Right, yeah. Yeah. Because then everything turns into just this complaint fest. Yeah. From the time they get home till the time you go to bed. Nobody wants to be around that. No. No, Um, thanks.
1: The cat just got here. Now there's a cat.
0: So (laughs) kind of, you know, going back to that whole difference between um, proactive and and reactive. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one thing that we're... I know, I think we got to kind of wrap it up here too, because we're going to, I'm sure that I'm going to edit this into two different (laughs) situations or two different episodes here. Um, But, you know, like I said, we're, I've kind of transitioned from a reactive job in the fire service to trying to be proactive Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, let's go out and do teach new skills, teach new, um, you know, life skills or, or, uh, hobbies or whatever. And, um, being more proactive. Yeah. Is there anything you can that. speak to on that?
1: Yeah. I think that's such a big deal. So, um, so building warriors who I worked for and my new company that I started, um, with my business partner, Nikki, uh, is called auxilium responder, but our whole approach is proactive wellness because, Uh, because our responder agencies tend to be reactive and like I've I've met folks where um, where the cat's trying to drink my water (laughs) cute. (laughs) Um, where they you know they talk about needing a peer support team and then they don't do it until they've had a suicide right and that's like a very reactive thing Um, and and I think that that's so normal again again it's it's just it's what our responders do they react to calls so our and like things are based on budgets and can you prove to me why this matters and why we have to do this. Um, but I do think that the, um, being proactive about your care is so important, like emergency response or not being proactive about your care matters. And I'll, I'll phrase it this way. Um, you have to develop healthy coping strategies when you feel good. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because, uh, you, you have to create those neural pathways. You guys were just talking about creating habits, right? And how it can, it's not, it's not necessarily like the three week thing. It could be 18 days to what, 200 something days, like something crazy. Um, and, and I tell folks a lot, like you, you have to like do things when you feel good because you're wanting to develop neural pathways around that thing, right? And that takes time. That takes repetition. If you wait until you're stressed to start implementing healthy coping strategies, you will be frustrated by their not working. Especially, I say this especially to my responders because they're like, I want to be fixed right now because that's what you guys do. You fix problems right away. Um
0: yeah, I think you've got like half an hour to fix a problem. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. So then they come to my office, they're like, I'm gonna leave healed, right? And I'll be like, no. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> so so what can you be doing to like to to practice positive coping strategies, good self-care routines? Um, because then, when stress inevitably hits, because we live in a world of perpetual stress, we are humans in an advanced world. So things happen. We're stressed all the time. Our bodies are therefore in a state of response to stress, whether we're always aware of it or not. Because we have stressors coming at us every day, almost every moment. And so, what can we be doing to to ensure that, like, uh, that we have ways to kind of come down off of that uh, stressful state, or at least acknowledge? like tell our bodies, like, hey, the stressor is no longer present, like you can calm down, right? And those are habits that we have to develop prior, <laughs> right? Because, again, if you hit a stressful state and you're like, I don't know what to do now, like you're going to be frustrated by the, the, its lack of um, success. Yeah. Right? So, yes, proactive care is so important. Know how your body functions self awareness i think you guys were kind of talking about self awareness and i was i don't know if that's maybe the language that you used but that's what came up in my brain <laughs> talking about self awareness of like uh of just yeah like you have to know yourself and and knowing yourself comes with making acute observations of yourself in in interactions with other people and you have to uh in order to like actually <laughs> like get get into yourself you have to spend time understanding how you function so uh which means then you like if you want to do good things for your body you have to know what your body needs and how else do you do that unless you like spend time exploring <laughs> and figuring it out right instead of just like i'm gonna go to the gym and lift all these weights so it's like maybe that's not what you actually need yeah. maybe you just need to go for a walk
0: yeah well i mean i think we we're so good at like, Oh, I'm hungry. So I feed myself. Right. Reactive. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know.
1: Yeah. No, I love what you're doing. I think, <laughs> I think there's a lot of goodness in it and that's, and I, I think we are seeing an, a cultural shift of like, right. Like I can take care of myself and it doesn't have to be this big deal. Like I can go to therapy because it's normal. Right. Like I see yeah. this in the younger generation, millennials and gen z's are like way more open about going to therapy and it's like they're like oh yeah my therapist said and it's it's just a thing right like they're so open about it and I think it's great I love it um they're some of my favorite clients because they work really hard which is cool like they come like prepared they're like this is everything that's happened in my life and this is how I dealt with it I'm like you make my job so easy (laughs) this is great (laughs) um but yeah yeah Yeah. right yeah exactly yeah yeah generational differences for sure i mean social media i think largely has a lot to do with that right because therapy is present on social media there are platforms for therapy that are like social media based so yeah um, well and it's
0: also the people are used to now on social media or whatever being able to just like vomit words out (laughs) without any repercussions so why don't just tell everybody about my therapy sessions or whatever yeah exactly um
1: but yeah, I love so. love what you guys are doing I think and and just getting out there and doing and doing things like um like woodworking right like uh, when I talk to my clients about about self care or stress management, I'm like, you finding single task focused things can be really good for the brain because your brains are our brains are so scattered, right? So if you can find something that draws your attention, some people are better at this maybe to a fault than others. I will say that <laughs> um, of being able to focus. My father is one of those people that has this like crazy ability to focus on things, and like that seems like so nice, <laughs> you know? My brain's kind of all over the place, um, but. But finding something where you can just like devote your attention to it can actually be relaxing and help reduce stress because like you're kind of quieting down everything else.
0: Yeah. And I think I've had to, I've done that out of necessity because I, yeah, my, I'm all over the place. So um, I had actually somebody, um, multiple actually doctors telling me like that that's why I like driving the fire engine. Yeah. Because I, you had to focus to, on it. I was forced to focus on your what I was doing yep. and everything else. Yeah. So and
1: everybody's depending on you.
0: Yeah. And so it's like it, being forced to focus on a certain mm-hmm. thing is is good because it gets rid of all that, of that other crap that's yeah. happening. Like my brain's making up uh, false stories about somebody talking about me or I don't even know. You I'm know, sure. it's just weird things that. Yeah. You know. W- yeah. Anyway.
1: I, I hear about this a lot, too, with people who ride motorcycles. It's very yes. similar. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. because, like, they have to focus on their surroundings and the road, like, because, like, literally their life depends on it. Yeah. Right? So focusing on something that intent, intently can actually be relaxing. Yeah. so weird. Every, yeah.
0: <laughs> they talk about going on a motorcycle ride and how therapeutic Yeah, is. exactly. And Wind you, therapy, yeah. as yeah. they call yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> cool. Um, do you have any other questions for... For us, or comments, or anything before we close out.
1: I don't think so. You know, I know cool. you, you. told me that I could come up with questions, and I, I didn't come up with any because I'm That's like, cool. well, I don't really have questions. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, I love. Cool. I mean, you can tell I like to. I'm, I'm a conversationalist. I love chatting too. <laughs> so, I could talk all day. Yeah. But uh, but no, I think this is this is great, and it's been really fun to be. A part of this and be a guest on a podcast so yeah. we'll have to often return the favor and you yeah. can come be a guest on my podcast <laughs>
0: yeah. so you can plug it again if you want yes
1: yeah tactical toughness it's on apple and spotify and uh you know on amazon all the places usually that you can find um your podcast so i i'm not as great as as these these lovely folks are about producing episodes it was uh it's all about mental health and emergency response, uh, for the responder and their families to just learn things. So, um, and uh, I had the best of intentions to produce far more episodes than I did this last year, but like life just kind of hit yeah. and, and I didn't, but, um, but yeah, I'm going to hopefully make, I, I was thinking of your episode of setting goals and I was like, oh, I should <laughs> set a goal for how many episodes I'd like to, to release this year. So there's only, there's only, I think like seven episodes on there, but. Um, but it's been super fun. I love it. I, and, uh, in fact, I called Chris when I decided I was going to do a podcast and he was, I was like, what do you do? Tell me all the things. And so he's been, he was like my, my podcast guru when I got I don't, started. I don't so I was just grateful I don't know. to have a friend who like had done it. So I didn't have to figure it all out myself. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like use this, use it. Here's, here's the mics and microphones. Exactly. That using, and yeah. Now it's going to have to be getting into the video world I don't know I know
1: so. it's a whole new thing so,
0: cool <laughs> so great yeah no thanks for joining us yeah you I know you're busy with new business and or new company all that stuff yeah. and yeah so That's thank cool. you
1: absolutely and if you know if any of your listeners like feel free to to reach out for you know to to Chris and Molly if you have any questions for me and he'll certainly mm-hmm. get them to me as absolutely. well so yep
0: yeah absolutely if you, if anybody has questions for Emily or for for us or or, or anything like that, um, you can go to thefightwithdepression.com. Go to the contact page. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, just fill out the contact information there, or you can do it through the Spotify app if you have that. Um, and I put up questions and Q and A polls and stuff like that, so you can do it through there too. But uh, again, it's thefightwithdepression.com and go to the contact page. And once again, thank you, Emily, for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: And until next time, God bless.